Okay, good evening. We're learning Maseches Pesachim Daf Yud Aleph. We're starting on the bottom of Yudam and Beis at a new Mishnah. This is a Mishnah that we are somewhat familiar with. It was quoted already once in the Masechta, and it speaks about the various times at which one has an obligation or an opportunity, maybe, to um, to do the mitzvah of Dikas Chametz. We all know, of course, from the first Mishnah in the Masechta or Larbasar, we should be doing Dikas Chametz on the night of the 14th. But what happens if you forget? And according to one Havamin in the Gemara, maybe we have a burden to do B'dikas Chametz more than once. Let's get started. Bottom of Yudim and Beis at the Mishnah, 10 lines from the bottom. The Mishnah opens. Rabbi Huda, Omer, Bodkin, or Yudalad, you should do B'dikas Chametz on the night of the 14th. Uva Yudalad, Shachris, and seemingly, and a double, two, on the morning of the 14th. Uveshasabir, uh, and seemingly a third time, the Havamin of the Gemara is that we have, according to Behuda, that we do Bdikas Chametz three times the night, the morning, and right by Biur Chametz. The Chachamim Omrim, Lo Badak or Yodalad, Yivdok Biyodalad. He seems to say, if you didn't do the night, then of course you should add the morning. Of course, Yivdok Biyodalad in the morning. Lo Badak Biyodalad. If you don't do Bdikas Chametz in the morning of the 14th, then you should check within the moed. Not simple language. Machlokes Rashi Tosis. We're going to get to that in a minute. So again, the havamin of the gemara of the of the Mishnah is that Rabbi Yehuda is saying we have to do a triple b'dika. We have to do on the night of the fourteenth, the day of the fourteenth, right when you wake up, and also by uh, by shas biur. And the chachamim seem to say no. You only do the morning if you miss the night. You only do the biur if you miss the if you miss the morning. Um, so we just have to take a quick look at Rashi because in the sheet of the Chachamim that we saw, the language that the Mishnah uses is that lo badak yivdok What does that mean? Yivdok So take a look at Rashi, the opening of the Mishnah. The, Mishnah, the Rashi here is one third of the way down by the Masnisen. Dibur hamaschel b'sochamoid shishis shehu moid habiur. That's what he's saying. If you didn't do it during the day, then you do it b'shas biur. That's what's called b'sochamoid. And what's la'achar moid? La'achar moed is after the time of Isser Achila already kicks in. Here's what Rashi says. Now you have a real Isser do rice of eating. So Rav Yehuda doesn't allow for B'dikah Shametz after Sheshaw Sulamala. Masha'inkin, the Chachamim are more lenient. And we're going to dig into that heavily today. So uh, the last line of the Mishnah, and then we will start with the Gemara. The last line of the Mishnah reads... <clears throat> Whatever chametz you have left over after b'dikas chametz, you should put it in a box. You should hide it. This is a line that we saw earlier that made us question our own mishnah daf base. Um, and uh, let us get started with the gemara here with a deep analysis of the shita of Rabbi Yehuda and the chacham. Says the gemara, my time of Rabbi Yehuda. What is the reason of Rabbi Yehuda? Again, the Havamina is that Rabbi Yehuda requires that there's three Badikos. There's the night of the 14th, the morning of the 14th, and Shaspir. My time is Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara in the name of two, Amorayim, Rav Chizda, Rabbabar, Rav Huna, De Amri Tarvaihu. Both of them said the following, Keneged Shalosh Hashbasos Sheba Torah, from the word Tashbisu, the Hashbis. There are three times that the Torah tells us to destroy Chametz. How do they work out? Then number one, Lo Yere Elcha Chametz, Lo Yere Elcha Seor, that's Pasuk number one. Pasuk number two, you should not have any chametz in your house. Pasuk number three, so again, having the Gemara that you do three bdikos and sukim to boot. Makes perfect sense. Says the Gemara, a double question, really the same question, just asked by two different sources uh, with slight variations. The problem is that you're learning Rabbi Yehuda that he says you have to do three bdikos, but also Rabbi Yehuda doesn't say that. 
Let's see what the elsewhere is. So says the Gemara, we're five lines from the bottom end of the line. Masiv Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was an Amora, third century of the Amora. And he asks the following. He says, I have a brisa that says as follows. Rav Yehuda Omer, kol shalo badak bishlosha prakim halalu shuven obodek. Someone who doesn't do bdika in one of these three times, then enobodek. Alma, what does it seem from this brisa about Rabbi Yehuda? It seems mikan ve'eluchu depligi. It implies that we're only really talking about what happens after the shas biur. Are we allowed to do bdika later? That's what it seems like from the language of shuv eno yachol. What's the language? It's shuv eno bodek that he's not able to do the bdika anymore. So this brisa gives a flavor of Rabbi Yehuda that it's not about needing to do three. It's about making sure that you do it in time so that you don't get stuck with not being able to do the mitzvah badika. And it says the Gemara, another version of this question, Marzutra Masniachi, he said that the Brice was a little different. Masiv Rav Yosef, Marzutra, of course, lived later. He's quoting Rav Yosef's question. He says the Brice that Rav Yosef quoted was different. Rav Yehuda Omer, Kol Shelo Badak, get the language here. The Echad Mishlosha Prakim more explicit. If you didn't do any one of these three, so then you're stuck. Shuv eno bodik. Alma, what do we see from here? We see from this language of Yehuda, Vishuv eno bodik hu What are they arguing about? About when you're no longer allowed to do bdikas chametz. Let, let me ask this question in a different way. Does the mitzvah bdikas chametz have an expiration date? Is there a, is there a do bdika by time X? So according to Yehuda, yes. By the time you get to Shas Biyor, you could no longer do bdikas chametz. That's it. You're done. Once you're past the sixth hour, the mitzvah der Rabbanan has dissolved. You can't make a bracha on it. You're not allowed. You're done. You're done. The mitzvah's over. You're done. However, seemingly, seemingly Rabbi Yehuda would be the, would be the strict opinion. And the Chachamim would say, you're even allowed to do so after the sixth hour. So says the Gemara, Ella, you're right. We thought our Havamina was like Rav Chizda and Rabbi Barapuna that uh, you have to do three bedikos. That's what we, we thought in Rabbi Yehuda. We conclude that no, Rabbi Yehuda really holds that it's just any one of those three, but that once you get to Shas Biur, that's your last opportunity here, last stop on the train. If you choose, or for whatever reason, you don't do bedikah by that time, you can no longer do bedikah. Why? Why does Rabbi Yehuda have this limitation? Three lines from the bottom. El Rabbi Yehuda, it's correct. Rabbi Yehuda Nami, he agrees to the Chachamim that im lo badak kamar. If you didn't do the night, then you should do the morning. If you didn't do the morning, then you should do the afternoon by Bior or the morning by Bior. The Hacha, here, what is Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim arguing about? Once we get to the point where there's Shas Isser of Chametz, you've lost the right to do the mitzvah of Dikas Chametz. Gzeira, what's the concern? Why does Rabbi Yehuda not allow for Dikas Chametz later? Because Dilma Asi Lamechal Nine. We're afraid that you may find chametz during the bdika process after shas, shas chametz of Isser. Now it's the seventh hour. Now we're done. Uh, you find that you find some really gishmak. Uh, it's, so we're concerned, says Rabbi Yehuda. I'm not allowing the gzera. I'm, I'm making a gzera. I'm not allowing bdikas chametz after the shas Isser of chametz. I'm afraid you might come to eat it. Virabanan, savre, lo gazrina. They're not concerned. So let's just pause. What is our Mishnah discussing here? It's very simple. I know it's a little convoluted in the language because we would really have to spend time in the Rishonim. If you're saying that Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim are not arguing about the timing of night, and if you miss the night, then morning, and if you miss the morning, then Bior, why is it phrased this way? Great question, not for now. But what we definitely know is that the Machlokas between them is whether or not there's a prohibition, as it were, a Gzeira, to not do B'dikas Chametz after the Shas Isser of Chametz. Rabbi Yehuda is of the concern that if you do B'dikas Chametz at, let's say, the eighth hour of the day, when it's an Isser Do'oraisa to eat Chametz, I'm afraid you may come to eat it. And the, the Rabbanan say that there is no such Gzeira. Good. 
That's the Machlokas in our mission. Two lines from the bottom. Is it really true that Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that we have a Gzeirah der about food that I might eat? Well, I can give you a case where Rabbi Yehuda should have said that you're not, that we have a Gzeirah that you're not allowed to do X because we're afraid that you might eat, but he failed to do so. Says the Gemara, bottom line, no, it's not. We know uh, that in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, Mir Hashem should be revealed soon, that the, the Korban Omer was brought. And prior to that time, all the wheat that was there was considered chadash. Chadash is asr mina Torah. New grains are not allowed to be eaten in the times of the mikdash until the hakrava sa'omer. And after the hakrava, then all of the grain becomes yashan. That's what we said. Like if we go to the bakeries, it'll say a yashan bakery. Most of them are yashan. Um, then in those cases, that's when it's permissible. The big discussion in the postcom does yashan apply? Nowadays, does chadash apply? Nowadays, big discussion. Uh, what to talk about, good discussion, ask, uh, ask your local Orthodox rabbi about that, a big and important discussion. So where do we see that this breaks Rabbi Yehuda's rule, that we have a gzera? So here's where the rule gets all messed up. Tanan, the Mishnah writes, Mishakarav HaOmer, on the day, Rashi adds in the words here, on the day, Bobayom, on the day that the Hakravas HaOmer would take place, on that day in the marketplace, Yotzinu Motzi and Shuke Yerushalayim Shehin Malayin Kemach Vekeli, even before the Hakravas HaOmer, people would, would fill up the, the marketplace, with the new wheat, it, it wasn't mutter yet because the hakrava hadn't taken place yet. The korban omer wasn't brought yet. But by the time that they got to the flea market, I mean, there were just bales and bales and bales of wheat and grain ready to be sold. So says the Gemara, they were malayin kemach v'keli. As we turn to the top of Yer Aleph, Amad Aleph, says the Gemara, Rav Meir was of the opinion that you're not allowed to do that. Why? Because before the hakrava of the omer, before the korban omer is brought, that food is chadash. What's our concern? You might eat it. Rabbi Yehuda didn't say that. Who said that? Rav Meir. What does Rabbi Yehuda say? Rabbi Yehuda Omer, no, 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 they did fine. It says the Gemara, You just said in our Mishnah that we were concerned about doing Bidika after the sixth hour because maybe Well, if Rabbi Yehuda was concerned about that by Chametz, why is he not concerned about that as it relates to Chadash prior to the Hakravas HaOmer? Why wasn't he concerned of Dilma Asila Mechalmine? You're going to go in the marketplace. You're going to take food that seems to be right, ready to eat, but the Hakravas Omer hasn't taken place. Contradiction within Rabbi Huda. Because in our Mishnah, he says, we have a concern about maybe you'll eat it. But by Chadash, he says, we're not concerned about maybe you'll eat it. Why the distinction? Answers the Gemara four lines down, Yeralaf Amaralaf. Omar Rava, shiny Chadash. Chadash is different. It says, why is, why is Chadash different than our Mishnah? Because when one is going to harvest Chadash, harvest these grains prior to the Hakravas Omer, they're tearing it out with their hands. You cannot use a sickle. You got to tear it out with your brush. She explains this. You, you have to tear it out barehanded. So therefore, Zachar, you're going to remember not to buy it. Okay, you're gonna, that's good. That's helpful. Amar well, okay. That's, that's helpful if you're tearing it off barehanded. Fine, that's good. But what about the next phase of processing the wheat? What about grinding it? And what about sifting it? Again, you want to tell me that you're plucking it out of the ground and it's a unique way to pluck it out of the ground. That's fine. There's something unique about it. But grinding is grinding and sifting is sifting. Says the Gemara, Halo Kasha. You're not doing regular grinding. You're using a hand grinder, which is like a shinui of sorts. And harkada al gabe napa. Here, we're using the sifter, but in like an upside down way. Good, you answered the question. So maybe uh, maybe we can say that chadash is different. Fine, maybe that's a distinction to be made. Asks the Gemara, hold on one second. And this is going to burst the bubble for this answer. 
but wait a minute, we have a Mishnah elsewhere that writes, Kotzrin, we harvest with a sickle, with a, with a blade. Kotzrin, beis hashalchaim, be'amakim. There are places, they're not great places uh, to harvest, but nevertheless, one is allowed to, to cut there directly with a blade. Avalo godshin, and you're not allowed to make piles out of it. Ve'ukimna, what do we say about that Mishnah that says that you can harvest with a sickle? Ve'ukimna, k'rib Yehuda, we hold like k'rib Yehuda, who says that it's not a problem. Ma'ikol amemar, there we have a real contradiction between Chadash and Yash, Chadash and our Mishnah. Because in this Mishnah, you're cutting with a sickle, you're cutting with a blade. That's the world of Chadash. And Rabbi Huda says it's mutter. So that means that by Chadash, you're cutting without a shinu, you're cutting, and Rabbi Huda is not concerned about eating. But in our Mishnah, he is concerned. How do we answer that question? Says the Gemara, and this is going to guide us until the Mishnah on the next page. Elo Amar Abaye, Chadash Badil Chadash is something that is infrequent. Literally, means that we, we separate from it. We know Chadash is totally usher for, for long stretches of time. We're We're regularly, we're accustomed to not being involved with, with, with not eating Chadash. But Chametz, we eat Chametz all year round. So that's the distinction the Gemara made. So now let's answer the question. Rabbi Huda, Stira. By Chametz, he has a Gzera. By Chadash, he doesn't have a Gzera. Answers the Gemara, we need the Gzera by Chametz because you eat Chametz all year round. So you're going to be doing Badika after the sixth hour, after the seventh hour, you're going to find some, some good, uh, some good chewy, uh, chewy cookies. We're concerned because you're not, you're low budget. You never really separate from Chametz. There you need Gzera. But by Chadash, which has a longer stretch of lack of access to the food, in such a case, we would then say we don't need Gzera. Good. Says the Gemara, 10 lines down. Amar Abaye. To Rabbi Yehuda, to Rabbi Yehuda Kasha. All right, you asked the question about Rabbi Yehuda on Rabbi Yehuda. What about Dirabbanan on Dirabbanan? Lo Kasha, isn't that also a stira? What, what did our Mishnah say in the Rabbanan? Remember the last, uh, the second, the last line on the page said, Dirabbanan savre lo gazrinan. In our Mishnah, the rabbi said, there's no concern that you may come to eat food after the seventh hour, which is why the Chachamim allow you to do B'dikas Chametz into the seventh and eighth hour. We don't care, it's no problem. Even though there's an Isra Doraisi B'chametz then, we're not concerned. But what did they say in the Mishnah by Chadash? They said, Shalom on Chachamim. It's in the name of Rav Meir. And here's an important piece of information. Our Mishnah, Stam Mishnah Kerav Meir. That's what we typically assume. When a Mishnah is authorless, it's an anonymous Mishnah, we assume it's Rav Meir. So what that means is that our Mishnah is Rav Meir, and he says, no Gzeira. Yet by Chadash, he says, Shalom on Chachamim, that there is a Gzeira. So it's Dirabana, not Dirabana. No Kash, of course it's a question. So says the Gemara, let's answer both. We already answered one. The stira that we had between Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah by Chametz and Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah at the top of the page by Chadash that we answered Kiddush like we taught above. The answer of Abaye that Chadash, we, we are more accustomed to not eating, eating Chadash, so we don't need Xera there, but we do by Chametz. However, how do the Rabbanan, how does Rav Meir get out of this stira? That in our Mishnah, there is no Gzeira. And by Chadash, there is a Gzeira. He, he gives us psychology. Today's going to have two major psychological Gemaras. This is number one. What, what does Rav Meir say? You're walking around your house with a brown paper bag to go pick up some Chamins. You've got your candle. You've got your feather. You've got your kid's project, whatever it is. What he says, who 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 love lesarfo? You're walking around the house to go find chametz to burn it. Mechal kalchil You're really you're in a place where you're going to eat it. 
Like, it's just so unreasonable. Like, is, why, why would I need a gzera there? So really, the Pshat and Rav Meir is like this. Really, we should have a gzera by food, but by chametz, we don't need it. Because what's the whole essence of Dikas chametz? Burn it. That's why the bracha is al or chametz. It's not finding it, it's burning it. So says the Gemara, there's no steer with Rav Meir. The Mishnah, he doesn't need a gzera by chametz. Because someone who's doing B'dikas Chametz is not going to say, oh, B'dikas Chametz, I'm going to burn it. I found the cookie. Oh, maybe not. Boring the name is Onos. No way. No way. So that's how we solve the stira between our Mishnah with the Rabbanon, who are lenient with no Gzeira, and the Mishnah by Chadash, where the rabbis do require it. Ravashi wanted to give a second answer. We're about a third of the way down on Yod Aleph and Ravashi wanted to give another answer to the Rabbi Yehuda stira. Remember, Rabbi Yehuda and our Mishnah said, we need a Gzeira. She said no Gzeira. Ravashi Omar, Lokasha. There's also no question. Here's his answer number two. It will get rejected momentarily. Kemach Vakali Tanam. We're talking about um, we're talking about flour that's in an inedible phase. So says the Gemara, absolutely not. Uh, how would this answer the question anyways? It would answer the question by saying that, yes, really in theory, Rav Yehuda would require Xerah by Chadash too, but in this case, we're making a new Kimta. We're establishing this mission of Chadash is being unique, which is that the Chadash that this mission is talking about where they put the food out in the flea market in Yerushalayim, that was an inedible food. That's, that's how the Gemara would answer. So it says the Gemara about Ravashi's answer, Ha de Ravashi Bedusahi. This is not a serious answer. Ha Tenach, I can understand if you tell me if the food is in an inedible state, it's, it's roasted already. It's not really edible yet at this phase. But what about the initial process where it was more edible? From the beginning of its processing until it's toasted. What, what answer do you have, Ravashi, to say that it wasn't edible? Because maybe they didn't process it all. Not only that, if you want to give me the same answers that we said above, that what makes this chadash um, unique, what makes this grain unique in the Mishnah at the top of the page is that it's al yudei kituv kidirava. It was the answer that Rava gave that we're not cutting it with a sickle, we're bare hand yanking out the grains from the ground. Ella kotsrin, what are you going to do about the next source? What about the source that says that you're cutting it with the sickle with something sharp? Ella kotsrin amakin In that case of the kotsrin, there we said it was like Rabbi Yehuda, that there was no gzeira. So Michael Amema, Ravashi, how can you possibly circumvent this challenging question? It says the Gemara, you're right. Ella de Ravashi Bedusahi, it is in fact correct that we reject the answer of Ravashi. We fall back to our first answer, the strong answer of Abaye, which is that there's a fundamental difference between Chadash and Yash, between Chadash and Chametz, that Chadash is something that we're used to separating from because nobody ate the grains until the Hakrabas HaOmer, and Chametz is something that we never separate from, and therefore we need a Gzeira by Chametz, which we never separate from, that you cannot do B'dika after the seventh hour, in the seventh hour, because then we're afraid you might come eat it. Okay, good. Next, we're halfway down on Yud Aleph and Aleph. Says the Gemara, we said above in the name of Abaye, explaining Rav Yehuda, we said, we said a principle that where you're not badil nine, like by chametz, like our Mishnah is a case of low badil nine, we never, we're, we're never away from chametz except for eight days a year, right? Except for people who don't need any gluten at all. Now they're a little bit better, fine. But for people who are, uh, who are eating your regular diet, as it were, so then we should have a gzeira in all those cases because it's low badil nine, we're never separate from those foods. We're always connected. So ask the Gemara halfway down. In every scenario where we are not um, distant, where we don't separate from a food like chametz, is it correct that me Gaza Rabbi Yehuda would Rabbi Yehuda be gozer in all of those cases? I can show you an example where he wasn't gozer. Says the Gemara, a famous Mishnah. We read it every Friday night. Not only do we read it Friday night, but we learned it in depth in Masechah Shabbos a couple of hundred blot ago at this point. The Mishnah writes, 
Lo yikov adam shifoferes shel Let's say that you take the hull of, a, of an eggshell, okay? You cut it at the top and you drain out everything out. And now it just has a tiny little pierced hole at the bottom and it's wide open at the top. You pour in oil and the oil, because of the size of the hull, has a slow drip out of the eggshell and it drips into a container that has a wick that's lit. So it's basically a way to create continuous light, right? You, you have some oil in, in an egg with a little pierce in the bottom, it's dripping into the candelabra where the wick is lit. And every minute or so, it adds another, another droplet, whatever it is, or whatever the rate of flow is. And that will hopefully help to keep the light, the light uh, lit for a longer period of time. So it says the Gemara, let's analyze this case because we're gonna see it may contradict Rabbi Huda. So in this case where you fill up the egg with oil, and you fill it with oil, you put it right next to a candle so that so that the oil in the egg will drip into the container in which the, uh, the candle's actually lit. Even if it's made out of pottery, which is very difficult to clean, uh, the Tanakama holds that, what, how did the Mishnah start? You're not allowed to do that. Why did he say that? Because as Rashi highlights, there's a Gzeira Derabanan that we're afraid that you may be mistopic from the oil, that you may use some of the oil for your own purposes, and that will impact how long the candle will stay lit. You're not allowed to do that. You can't continue a fire, and you cannot, you cannot uh, start a fire. So we, we, we can't change that pace once it's there. So the Tanakhama held low Yikobadam Shovel version, not allowed to do that. What does Rabbi Huda say? Last of the short lines, Rabbi Huda Matir, no gzera. I, why is there no gzera? This is something that's low badilmine. We're never away from candles, especially in their climate. They had no electricity. They were dealing with candles all the time, and certainly they did so every Friday night. So I don't understand. I thought that we said that just like by chametz, how do we distinguish between chadash and chametz? We said that by chametz, we're never, we're never not exposed to chametz. Okay, but candles were never not exposed to candles. So why doesn't Rabbi Hud have a here? He have one by chametz. Should have one here too? So answers the Gemara, last of the short lines, Hasam Mishum de Shabbos By Shabbos, people are going to distance themselves from the Isser. You're right. In theory, it would have made sense that Rabbi Yehuda would have a Gzeira here. But we didn't need one because there's an ace up the sleeve. What's the ace up the sleeve? People are so concerned about violating Shabbos that we don't need the Gzeira Zerabanan in this case. We allow the egg that's filled with oil to drip into the container to allow the candle to last longer. Not a problem. I maybe you'd come to take the oil. You won't come to take the oil. It's Shabbos. We don't mess with skila. You're not going to touch it. It's going to be fine. So that's how the Gemara answers that. First of the long lines, the Gemara says, but, but within the halachos of Shabbos, he wasn't consistent either. You're telling me here, but of Rabbi Huda Matir, there was no gzera derabana by the case of the dripping into the oil. Well, what about the next case? Virami de Shabbos has Shabbos. We have a contradiction within the laws of Shabbos itself. How so? Titania, we have a brisa, chevel delisha nifsak. Let's say that you have a bucket that goes into a well and the rope holding that bucket breaks. Lo yehei koshro, ela onvo. The Tanakama says you can't tie a knot, but you can tie a bow, totally appropriate to tie a bow, like a, the bow that we tie in our shoes, okay? Rabbi Huda Omer, nope, you're not allowed to tie a bow. Rabbi Huda Omer, korech pundia opsakia, these are garments. You cannot tie a regular uh, rope, you cannot tie a bow. You have to tie it with a garment, ubilvad shiloya anvenu. And he doesn't allow for the tying of a bow. Um, now we can already see our question. Does he have a gzera there? Is that a gzera der that you can't tie with a bow, which would be a stira because by Hilchos Shabbos with the dripping oil, there was no gzera. Why here are you not allowing the bow? So it says the Gemara, third line of the wide lines, Kasha der Yehuda that's a stira within Rabbi Yehuda, and Kasha der Rabbanan because this case of the rope that broke, Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim reversed their trends 
from what the halacha was in the case of the dripping oil. In the dripping oil, the Chachamim had a gzera, and Rabbi Yehuda did not. Here, the Chachamim have no gzera, and Rabbi Yehuda seemingly doesn't allow to tie the bow. So then the Gemara has to answer this double stira and answers the Gemara as follows. End of the third wide, third, third wide line. Dirabanana, dirabanan lokasha. Why is it that the rabbis had a gzera dirabanan in the case of the dripping oil? Because shemen b'shemen michlaf. What we were concerned about is that I may see that oil and want to utilize it for my meal, gross as that may be. But at least they were both the same product. It's oil dripping out of the, uh, it's oil for the candle and I need oil for my meal. However, when it comes to tying knots, they didn't need a gzera. Why? Because, says the Gemara, aniva lo michlav. Tying a bow and tying a real knot, nobody's ever going to, no one's ever going to make that error. It's like tying a slip knot. Do you know how to tie a slip knot? Everybody knows that knot's coming undone. You just pull hard enough, that the knot's going to come out. So he says there's no need for gzera in this case. It's not going to lead to anything problematic. Very good. Now, what about the other, what about the other stira between the two Shabbos prices? It was Rabbi Huda's issue. What was Rabbi Huda's issue? That Rabbi Huda held that there was no gzera in regards to the dripping oil lamp, but there seemingly was a gzera that we could not tie a bow. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, Lokasha. There too, there wasn't a problem. Time of Rabbi Huda. The reason why Rabbi Huda didn't allow for the tying of a bow, and we've seen this sheet before, it wasn't because of that we're afraid that maybe tying a bow is similar to tying a real knot. That wasn't the problem. What was the problem? He assumed that tying a regular bow, like our shoe ties, the way we tie them, bunny ears, he held that that was that was a full all-out knot in, in halachic terms, and you could violate an iser daraisa by tying a bow. So the Chachamim and, the, and Rabbi Huda were arguing about something different when it came to the bow. The Chachamim held that tying a bow is a deviant form of a knot, and you cannot violate the malacha of kosher on Shabbos by tying a bow. However, Rabbi Huda said, there's no gzera by a bow. It's an iser daraisa to tie a bow. You're not allowed to do that. Okay, so that's why, that's not a contradiction. The reason why here he didn't allow for the bow is because it's an iser daraisa, not because he was gozer midirabanan. There was no rabbinic decree, and therefore no contradiction. Says the Gemara, okay, but there's another layer of contradiction here. The rami rabbanan adirabanan. The rabbis have an internal contradiction. How do they have a contradiction? Because within the not sugyas, what did the rabbis say? You can tie a bow. Yet here we have another Mishnah, five, six lines from the bottom. Says the Mishnah, it's non you are allowed to tie, again, that bucket that's separated from the rope. You're allowed to tie the bucket with a psaki. It was a garment that women wore. It was, kind of, I guess, like a leggings of some kind. The, the, before Shemir on the side said it was worn on like their legs. So the Gemara says there, in the name of the Tanakama, you are allowed to tie the garment with a dali, with a psakia, but the garment of a lobechevel, with not, not with a rope. What does Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda Matir. So the Gemara says, hold on, we, we need to learn a little bit what's going on. Of course, you can't tie a knot, a knot with a chevel because that's an Isra Daraisa. So it says, Gemara, chevel demai. Ilema chevel de alma. If what this mission is talking about is just stam, a regular rope, matir, how could anyone in their right mind allow the tying of a knot? For sure, that's going to be an Isra Daraisa. Kesher shel kayomahu. This is the language of the Gemara that indicates you're making a real knot. Of course, that's going to be usher. Not only that, if you tie this bucket on Shabbos with that rope, you're never going to untie it. 
and says the Gemara to this to this effect, Divade Asi live too late. We're gonna let that rope literally be nullified, just become a part of the of the landscape. It's just gonna become the rope that's attached to the bucket. You'll never untie it. In which case, you mamish violated a Sidoraisa tying a knot. Of course, this Mishnah that says that the Chachamim say you can use a psaki, the garment, but not a rope, of course, is not talking about a regular rope. It has to be talking about something else. So therefore, says the Gemara, Elapshita de Gardi, rather, it's obvious that what was this Mishnah talking about, where the Chachamim said, they said you cannot tie with a rope, that's talking about a Gardi. The Gemara explains that a Gardi, well, I should say the Mephorshim explained, a Gardi is a weaver's rope. It's a specialized rope. It has a, sec- a primary purpose, and it's not to hold up buckets. It's used in a, in, in a, in a weave. So says the Gemara, uh, what did the Mishnah say? Line five from the bottom. They said about Lobe Chevel. The Chachamim said, you're not allowed to use a rope. The Gazu Rabbanan Chevel, the Gardia to Chevel Alma. So we have a contradiction between the Rabbanan. Why? Because initially we saw that the rabbi is allowed to use a bow, lenient. And now we're seeing the rabbi say, you cannot use the rope that belongs to a Gardia, a, a weaver's rope. Strict. Contradiction between the Rabbanan. One's lenient, one's strict. Says the Gemara in. And here's the reason why. But not to be confused, because it's a good answer. Why were they strict in our case of the chevel, which is a gardi, which was a weaver's rope? Because it looks very similar to the regular rope. And because a regular rope and, a, and the gardi, the weaver's rope, are so similar, so therefore we needed, we needed to make However, three lines from the bottom, aniva bikshira lo There, we're not going to have a contradiction. I'm sorry, we're not going to get confused between a regular bow and a permanent knot. Three lines from the bottom. We said on the top of the page in the name of Abai, explaining Rabbi Yehuda that where something is where I really infrequently have access to something, the case we had at the top of the page was by Chadash, where we, excuse me, where we have a significant amount of time where we're not allowed to access Chadash because the Hakravas Omer, the Korban Omer was not broad, so then we didn't need Xera, really? I can give you an example, says the Gemara, of something which is infrequently used, but we have a gzera. Let's see what the case is. Says the Gemara, We have a b'risa that seems to be, show that he does have a gzera. Bechor, you have an animal that is meant to be dedicated as a bechor, firstborn. It, it's sick, it has a fever, it's got some type of chill, something's going on. Even if he is about to die, says the Gemara, uh, says the, this is a b'risa, says the b'risa, Rabbi Huda wouldn't even allow for Akazas Dam, wouldn't even allow for bloodletting to save the animal's life. No, this is not on Shabbos. This is during the week. You can't bloodlet on Shabbos. But we needed to save the animal. The problem with doing bloodletting is that you could make the animal into a blemished animal and give it a mum. That's usr. You're not allowed to make a, a bechor, an animal that's going to be dedicated to the, to the base of Mikdash, to a Kohen. You can't make it into a mum. So even though there's a way to do hakazas dam without making a mum, Rabbi Yehuda had a You're not allowed to do hakazas dam even in a way that's mutter out of concern that you may make a mum. A derabanan. Says the Gemara, Do the hakazas dam. You have the latitude. Do the hakazas dam. That's fine. It just don't do it in, in the way in which there's a mum. Why does Rabbi, why is he so strict? Why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda say that we can do uh, we can do Akazastam, we can do the bloodletting, save the Bukhor's life, do it in a way that doesn't give the animal a blemish that will ruin him for the mikdash. All good. So answers the Gemara, and this is psychology note number two for the day. And this is used in a halachic frame. And again, this is a stira within Rabbi Yehuda because this case is very uncommon like the Chadash, yet we see he has a Xerah That's the contradiction. Chadash was uncommon. 
uh, no gzeira. Here, uncommon and gzeira, that's a stira within Rabbi Yehuda, answers the Gemara. Hasam, no, what's going on over here with the Bechor? Hasam, and turning to the top of Yeralaf on the base, Hasam, mitoksha adam bahul al mamono. Because a person is so concerned about that which is their finances, therefore, Amrinan, we say a psychology. We're concerned, says Rabbi Yehuda, if I give him the latitude to do bloodletting in a way where it doesn't cause for a blemish on the animal, I'm so concerned that he's going to want to save the life of the animal. He's going to dig the needle deeper. He's going to put it somewhere that's going to make the animal a mum. He's going to take it too far. In other words, if I give him a little rope, he's going to take a lot more rope. I'm concerned, says Rabbi Yehuda, that in the case of Bechor, he's going to take it too far and make the animal into a mum because of the psychology. He's concerned about the loss of the Bechor. If the animal dies, it's a significant cost. So he doesn't want to lose it. So Rabbi Yehuda says, I'd rather him do nothing than something. Because if I give him a little rope, you know, you give a, give a little bit of latitude to the young ones, they run a mile with it. Yes? It's not, you're asking, I was, I, I was hoping someone would ask this question. It's a great question. It's that that's an, what? Poel ubahul hu ishari, second Rashi. Hold on one second. Kof shin, what is that? Kol shikin. Oh, that, that, that's the Rabbanon. That's Al-Mamono. Kohen zeh bahul al shelo yamus. Right. So the Kohen is the one doing the bloodletting. Thank you. So the Kohen is doing the bloodletting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so Yehuda says he can't do the bloodletting even if the animal is going to die because we're afraid of, sorry, thank you for clarifying that. If we give the Kohen the latitude to do a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of the, uh, of the bloodletting, we're afraid he may take it too far and make the animal into a moon. So says the Gemara, what about the Rabbanon? The Rabbanon don't agree to this halacha, the psychology that people can take things too far? Say the Rabbanon, yes, but we apply it differently. The Rabbanon, and we, this, this makes so much sense. Kol shikain, all the more so, if we don't give him any latitude, he's going to totally violate halacha and make the animal into a moon. <laughs> you can't tell him nothing. You can't tell him nothing. So the Rabbanan said, it's basically, which psychology is more true? That if we give some rope, they'll abuse it? Or if we give no rope, they'll break halacha? We don't know. That's what the Gemara, that's the machlokes here between the Rabbanan and Rabbi Huda. But that's what the Gemara answers, so that it's not a steer in Rabbi Huda. Because Rabbi Yehuda said in the case of Bahul al-Mamono, there he was strict because Bahul al-Mamono, the Kohen might, might do too much. The Kohen may, uh, may take things a little too far. And that's therefore why over here we had a gzera, but by Chadash on the top of the Dafir al Aleph, there was no gzera. Says the Gemara, Does he really actually hold of the case of Bahul al-Mamono? Let's see. The Hatnan, we have a Mishnah, Rabbi Huda Omer. Rabbi Huda says, we'll explain this after we read it. You can't comb a behema on Yantif, because it causes for a Chabura. But you can do a different type of combing. What is this talking about? We'll see in a moment. You can't do either form of combing. What are these two different types of combing? So it says the Gemara, here's what they are. Kidur, 
Tanim, they have very, very fine, it's a very, very fine tooth comb, and Chabura. You're trying to get uh, clay, Rashi highlights, you're trying to get some clay off of the animal. So what we're afraid of is that when you take that very, very fine tooth comb, you're going to create for a Chabura, which is us, or you're not allowed to do that. However, Karsov, Rashi writes that the, the teeth of the comb are, it's like the Shabbos comb versus the Shabbos brush versus the weekday brush. The teeth are way more spread out. And then Karsov, Gedolim ve'ein osin Chabura. So there we see that he doesn't seem to be concerned about Bahula Mamono, answers the Gemara, not Astira. Hasam, in the case of the, of the Bechor that we saw in the bottom of the previous Amud, Hasam de'ishavikle, if you don't do anything in that case, mais, the animal's going to die. There we have a real concern about the Kohen of Adam Bahula Mamono. However, in this case, uh, there, there, there we say, I'm reading Adam Bahula Mamono, by the case of the Bechor. However, hacha, in the case of the animal that has some clay, some dirt that's caked on, here, hacha, ishavi clay, if you don't do anything, tsara be'alma would be uncomfortable for the animal because it's like stuck to the hair in a funny way that when he moves, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. But lo amrin an adam mamona, there we would not say it. Yet another question. Whereof Yehuda, maishna gabe chametz de gazar, why is it that in our Mishnah you did have a gzera? Umaishna gabe kirtzuf de lo gazar. But why, in the case of the wide-toothed comb, why there was that allowed? Answers the Gemara, because lechem belechem nichlaf. It's very easy to mix up two different kinds of bread. Very, very easy. Because again, if your matzah looks like pita bread and you actually have pita bread, very similar, easy to mess up. And uh, what about the other case of the combs? Kidur bekarzof lo michlov. No one's going to make the mistake between the two different kinds of combs. Again, this is out of our culture. We're not used to this. Um, and we should therefore uh, just accept the Gemara at face value that the two different types of combs were considered significant. We're going to learn the next Mishnah and dig in a little bit into the Gemara. We'll stop at a little bit. Uh, we're going to stop four lines into the wide lines and then uh, pick up again in Mirza Shem tomorrow night. New Mishnah, but one that we were really just hinting to. Rav Meir Omer. Ochlen kol chamesh v'sorfen b'tchilas sheish, a Mishnah that we saw earlier in the Masechet as well, but this is where the, its actual location. Rav Meir says, on Erev Pesach on the 14th of Nisan, you're allowed to eat chametz all of the fifth hour. V'sorfen b'tchilas sheish, in the beginning of the sixth hour, you do, you do beer chametz, and then at the end of the sixth hour, that's when the Isra Daraisa kicks in of, achil, of the Isra of Achilas chametz. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, ochlen kol arba v'tolen kol chamesh. You can eat the whole fourth hour. He adds an hour of, of minister de Rabbanan. You can eat the whole fourth, but v'tolen kol chamesh. In the fifth hour, you cannot eat, like, like the Tanakhama said. There we say, tolen, you don't do anything. The store from B'tchilas Sheish, they agree that you, you do your beer chametz at the beginning of the sixth hour. And here too, of course, everyone agrees that at the end of the sixth hour, that's when the Yisr Doraisa of chametz kicks in. The ode, and an amazing historical fact, says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, Amr Yehuda, shel psulos. There were two chalos that were of uh, the chalos of the toda that were puzzle. Munachos al gabe ha'itzaba. They were sitting on top of a place that was visible from outside of the mikdash. And here's what would happen: kolzman shemunachos. As long as both of the loaves were sitting out, kol ha'am ochlin. Everyone could eat chametz, no problem. Nitzla achas. When one of the two loaves were removed. Then everybody knew, oh, everybody, Hebra, time to stop eating. Tolin. This is hour number five. No one is allowed to eat. Lo ochlin velo surfin. You don't eat the chametz and you don't burn the chametz. Nitlu shtehen. Once both of these loaves were removed from the itztaba, they were removed from this space that was viewed by the public. Then what? Says the Gemara, hitchilu kol ha'am surfin. Then all the bonfire started. Everyone was burning their chametz. Rabbi Gamil Omer, chulin ne'echalin kol arba. Utruma kol chamesh, even within Rabbi Huda, because we don't want to be sorev truma unnecessarily, because we want to eat truma. It's not good to be sorev truma. 
We want to eat the truma. So the Isser de Rabbana that Rabbi Huda puts into place that we're told and that we don't eat during the fifth hour on Erev Pesach doesn't apply to truma. You're allowed to eat truma during the fifth hour. The sorf and then we would do we would burn that if it was chametz in the same way we would do regular bdikas chametz. Let's just do five, six lines very quickly and then we'll stop. Tanan Hasam, the Gemara opens with a sugya that seemingly does not even relate to our Mishnah. We will understand its context tomorrow. We have a Mishnah elsewhere. This Mishnah, where is this elsewhere? This Mishnah is located in Sanhedrin. And this Mishnah is going to talk about Edus. Let's say in regards to Edus, one person says, Echad Omer. Uh, one person says the moon presented on day two, the other one says day three. We don't consider that conflicting constitu- uh, uh, conflicting testimonies. Why not? Because one guy knows about Ibor Chodesh and the other guy doesn't. No problem. No, that's not considered a conflict of testimony. Because remember that when they grill Aiden, they do so separately in different rooms. Good. But if the gap in the testimony is I saw X on day three and the other one says, no, 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 I saw X on day five, that gap is too wide. First, uh, last of the short lines. One person says that at the episode that we're giving Adus about happened in hour two. The other one says it happened in hour three. That's close enough. No problem. However, what if there's a two-hour gap in time between one person's testimony and his friend's testimony? Reb Meir was of the opinion that that is invalid testimony. The conflict between the Edim ruins their testimony. And Rav Yehuda Omer, he says that the two-hour gap is okay. Uh, last two lines for the night. One person says uh, testimony about the fifth hour of the day, and the other one says seventh hour of the day. Their edus is a zero. This has to be only according to uh, Rav Yehuda, who says that the edus is kayim, because otherwise it would have been a puzzle anyways for a two-hour gap in time. But even according to him who says two hours in time is, is an okay gap for two Aiden to have, it can't be from the fifth hour to the seventh hour. Why? Because of the sun. Shevechamesh, in the fifth hour of the day, chama b'mizrach. Because in the fifth halachic hour of the day, as the sun rises, hour five stops before it peaks. Right, our five is before it peaks, and our seven is at the other side of the midpoint of the sky. It's now heading to the west to get closer to setting. So and the sun is going to be then in the west. And you should have known the difference. And if you don't, again, we're not really so hyperacclimated to these things because we have watches. But back in the day, when they wanted to know what Mincha was, they'd orient themselves. They'd look up and be like, okay, I know approximately which way is which. We're closer to Mincha than we are to Shachras. So we're closer to dark than we are to Shachras. So therefore, that Edus would not be acceptable, even according to Rabbi Yehuda. We'll stop here in Mirtash and we'll pick up in Hashem tomorrow night from Amar Abaye, about 12 lines up from the bottom of Yud Aleph from the base. Have a beautiful night.